Ready, Set, Game is brought to you by Baylor Intramural Sports, where character meets competition. Sign up today for the Frensby Freshman-Only Dodgeball Tournament from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. at the Slick. See you there. But I don't care what they say. I said, Ready, Set, Game. They try to pull me away, but they don't Ready, Set, Game. My heart's crippled by the vein of Ready, Set, Game. You cut me open and I ready, set, ready, ready, set, game. Ready, set, ready, ready, set, game. Ready, set, ready, ready, set, game. And just like that, we are back. This is Jake Talbert, and I'm here, your co-host, on another episode of Ready, Set, Game. That's right. Phil, we are live. I'm here in Waco, Texas today. Beautiful sunrise. I shot you some footage as I was driving in. Funny because my phone is on grayscale, and I'm not sure if you've ever had that experience where your phone's on grayscale, but it really just dumps the phone down a little bit. We may jump into that in the podcast. Phil, give the listeners a quick introduction. How are you doing? How's life in Atlanta? It's an early tip-off for us this morning. 7.30 a.m. here in Waco, 8.30 there in Atlanta. What's hot in the ATL? That's right, Jake. Well, it's good to be back. It is hot. It is September 1st, which means we are just a really a, eight hours away from games tonight. We have some huge Thursday night games that we're going to break down. Man, Jake, I had a long road to get back to Atlanta, go to Dallas uh, this past weekend for a good friend of ours, Luke Barlow. Some people know him as Kano. Uh, others is Spurly. He uh, had a bachelor weekend this weekend. We had a blast. Uh, played uh, some um, uh, single man foosball on the lake. We all had a mat like there is in the slough. And we got our arms and hit back and forth on opposing teams with two goalies at the end. It was a great time. Bill, um, let me just interject really quick. That's amazing. Were there any injuries sustained? I feel like I knew a, quite a few of the guys that were in attendance here one of which many of our listeners know, Mellow Mike, you know, a guy that has great length, big wingspan. How was Mellow Mike out there on the lakefront? You know, Mellow Mike uh, seems like a timid guy at the start, but when athletics uh, and competition get involved, uh, he, he he's a cutthroat kind of guy. So, I mean, there were, uh, he's probably the largest wingspan of all of us, uh, and he did not hold back. There was a lot of hands straight to the face. Luke Barlow at one point threatened to elbow him in the head if he didn't stop swinging those arms so recklessly. So a great question there, Jake. Mellow Mike was unhinged this weekend when it came to uh, single-man foosball. Phil, thanks for that that clarity. As you said, it was a wild ride for you. You had you had a late-night torches experience. You had some flight cancellations in Dallas. You honestly even almost made it down here to Waco uh, for a spur-of-the-moment visit. Tell us, how did you get back to Atlanta? What were all the thoughts, the emotions wrapped up in that experience? Jake, yeah, you know, I had a flight back to Atlanta Monday evening at 7 p.m. Uh, flight was uh, significantly cheaper to fly back on Monday instead of Sunday. So I said, you know, hey, what the heck? Uh, let's do it back on Monday. So flight gets delayed uh, from 7 um, to 7.30 to 8 to 9. Well, I go to Montana, uh, sorry, excuse me, Mel Mike's basketball game. Uh, he had a rec basketball playoff game uh, in Dallas and go to it. Mel Mike finished with about 
six points, 10 rebounds and three blocks. Um, and with, with a W, which was huge, he's taking me to the airport post game. I'm there from 10 flights going to take off around 11 delayed to 1130 delayed all the way to 1230 in the morning, Jake. And they just cancel it. They call it at midnight. They call it. I call mellow Mike. He has to roll out of bed with his wife next to him, wondering what the heck's going on. And so he comes back to the airport, picks me up. I sleep on his couch, go to work with him the next day at Watermark with Luke Barlow in his office, back in his office once again, stay again. Flight gets delayed again on Tuesday, another hour. I land back in Atlanta around 1 a.m. Wednesday morning. And here we are back on the pod, Jake. But we're back. We're in Atlanta. We're ready to roll. A long road to get here, but thankful to be back. Phil, I am so glad that you're back in Atlanta, safe and sound. What a trip. What an experience uh, in Texas, in the state of Texas. And, you know, there's no more faithful man than Mellow Mike to take a 1230 call to come pick you up at the airport. And my line, the last time that airport and Mellow Mike were involved in the same sentence he was actually in a tuxedo at your wedding. And you didn't know this. You were on your honeymoon, but he was actually in a tuxedo with myself, Luke Barlow and company. Um, and he, he it was a great experience. He was he had lost a one to 100 with Luke Barlow. I think they both chose the number 73 or something like that. And Mellow Mike had to wear his tuxedo to the airport um, the next morning. So that was absolutely fantastic. Phil. You're going to love this. Last Friday night here at the Student Life Center, we had late night dodgeball. So we had about 170 teams signed up for intramural dodgeball. And that night was all of the division, the pool champions that were playing that night. It was a single elimination bracket, and it resulted in obviously two teams winning, a guy's team and a girl's team winning. Incredible energy. We had a dislocated kneecap early on. Thankfully, as a unit, we were able to bounce back from that. But, man, it was fantastic. And your favorite song, Hey Baby, came on about three-quarters of the way through. There were a few camp people in the audience, and you could just see them really getting into it a little bit. But it was so fun. had to mention that because, you know, you introduced me to that song, Hey Baby. But not just Hey Baby, but the DJ Otzi remix. And so, listeners out there if you haven't heard that put it in on your drive to work this morning or your commute home you're going to be glad that you did and just when you think it's over don't turn it off because he's about to drop it one more time that's right i mean i i i can't emphasize enough jake um how much that song changed the trajectory of summer 2020 um because we are shameless plugs for DJ Otzi on the Ready Set Game Pod, we certainly are. He's 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 you know in the potential he could be one of our sponsors if things continue to play out for us with Otzi. But Phil, tell me really quickly, you know you had a basketball game yourself last night. We had a, a couple people that I know are faithful listeners that were also involved in that game. Give us an update on that game last night. You know, get me give me your stat line. I know you keep track of that. Any big numbers dropped from some of your teammates? Yeah, Jake. Well, let me just give you a little breakdown of the Midwest Dishes. Um, so the Midwest Dishes are a part of an Atlanta Men's Rec League. Um, and the team name, the Midwest Dishes, actually derives from 
uh, a good friend of ours uh, brought over uh, a um, a Midwest dish, if you will, uh, watching a Georgia football game. He's from Ohio. Uh, incredibly kind dude. Brought over um, a dip for us, uh, if you will. I think it was like a Cincinnati chili or something like that. Um, extremely kind. Brings over the dip. Uh, we all, uh, you know, take a, a heap full uh, scoop of the chip eating the Midwest dish, and it may be one of the worst things I have ever put in my mouth. <laughs> and so the bit was, we're like, oh, no, is, is, is this guy going to bring something over again? And everything he brought over after every game we watch was incredible after that. But wow. the Cincinnati chili dip or whatever it was was not the move. So the Midwest dishes um, derived from one of our good friend Alex's name. He knows this. Um, he may not know, but now he knows because uh, on the race at game pod. But all that to say, we have a lot of guys on our team have a lot of talent. We have yet to be able to put it all together to collect that win yet. 0-5 on the year have had some really close games and some not as close games. Uh, Ricky Wilson driving in from Athens, uh, paid over $100 to be in this league, has only played in two games thus far. But faithful commitment is what we have in the Midwest dishes. We took about a 49 to 32 loss last night. I finished uh, with one point, one for two from the line, 0 for four, a few rebounds and a couple assists. But uh, Luke Miltner has been one of our better players. He's, uh, you know, about six, six, um, almost as tall as one of our roommates, JR from college. Uh, and uh, he played very well last night. Stephen Craig was in the crowd attendance along with my wife and his wife. Um, so we had a good showing last night as far as the people were concerned, as far as the performance, not as much, Jake. But we're playing the Auburn Tigers, who are also 0-5 next week. So we're hoping to get our first win there come Wednesday evening. Phil, thanks for that recap. You know, and we're about vulnerability here on the Ready, Set, Game podcast. And just want to be open and honest with you, I'm proud of you guys. You guys are showing up week in and week out, 0-5. It would be really easy at this point to just throw in the towel. And you guys are going to have a huge chance next week, 0-5 against 0-5, to really infinitely increase your win percentage at this point. And so I'm excited for it. You know, Phil, your player cop, you remind me a little bit of P.J. Tucker, if you will. Not quite as smooth (laughs) from outside, but, you know, you kind of have that similar build, those big shoulders. And and I I really think that, that you specifically... When I think of you back in your days, um, in the in the, <laughs> in the blue spandex as Captain Fuselage, <laughs> which many of our listeners, we may have to put something up, maybe a photo shoot on the podcast um, on the Instagram of that. Yeah. But your uh, your kind of that combination of fuselage, PJ Tucker, and Phil Addison, it all just kind of mingles together with me. So. Yeah. Anyway, we kind of got off topic there a little bit, but I just had to throw that in because Fuselage was brought to my memory and brought back, honestly, a lot of great memories. So speaking of memories, Phil, let's take a trip down memory lane. This is something we've done the last couple episodes. We'll continue to do. We're going to share one of our top favorite college sports memories and just let the listeners in on that. The experience, we know that it's oftentimes much more than just the game, but the overall experience as well that surrounds that game experience. So, Phil, give us a memory, college sports memory. Take us down memory lane. Dick, I'm going to start us off um, 
with a loss and a win. Wow. So, okay. Okay. Uh, real quick, I have a couple of breakdowns here. So, um, as most of us know, uh, the University of Georgia basketball team has been left out of the Big 12 SEC Challenge for quite so many years now. Well, we've discussed this. Why are they not in it? Well, they keep finishing in the bottom four of the conference. That's right. That's right, Jake. So it's been an abysmal look in Athens. Hopefully Mike White coming from Florida, new head coach, will hopefully bring in some of that recruiting that we've been uh, craving in Athens. But um, I'm going to take us back to the very beginning of 2020, right before COVID hit. We played Kentucky at home in basketball. I was working for the UGA Promotions um, slash uh, sports marketing at the time. And, uh, you know, it was a packed out, sold out game. Every time Kentucky comes to Athens and plays basketball, it's a sold out arena. Stegman Coliseum is sold out. People, a ton of people are there. Anthony Edwards is in middle of the year, um, mid-season form. He's been playing a great amount of basketball. Trey Young and Quavo, Atlanta rapper in the building. Wow. And uh, I actually got the opportunity to meet both of them uh, and post some photos on my Instagram with them. Uh, but Georgia ended up losing the game 78 to 69. Anthony Edwards had a crazy fast break windmill dunk in that game, I believe. Um, but you just love to see Stegman packed out. The Coliseum always gets in their feet when Kentucky's in there. We always come up just a little bit short, but last year, or two years ago, excuse me, we beat Kentucky at home, may have been one of five wins at home that year, uh, but really exciting time in basketball. It was when Kentucky did make the tournament, uh, the season, uh, I, I believe 2020-2021, that season, they didn't make it, uh, where your Baylor Bears won it all. Um, so that's my loss, my win uh, is against Notre Dame in football 2019. The latest kickoff I think Athens has ever experienced at Sanford Stadium on Vince Dooley Field, an 8.40 p.m. Eastern kick. Oh, my gosh. Fighting Irish, Lucas Ed Hockley Magoon and Chuck Warren are in the bleachers. They're in the stands for that game with me. UGA pulls away last minute with some stellar defense, 23-17. Uh, Ian Book, starting quarterback for Notre Dame at the time. Wow. We had Jake Fromm in on the offense and ended up losing to LSU and Joe Burrow in that squad in the SEC championship. But that's a just under the lights Saturday night game that you can't miss. College game day was there. Corso was fired up. You had the whole gang there on their feet in Athens. Just an incredible weekend uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs. Phil, those are two great ex, uh, experiences that you had. And to be in the stands with Charlie Warren and, and Lucas at Hockley Magoon, that's that's high company. That's a great group of guys to be in the stands with. And Luke Mangan still speaks of that game to this day. It was it was it was it was honestly just an incredible game, uh, a moment for him to be there. And so I know you played a huge part of that. I'm going to take us down memory lane, and we're going to go back to the Russell Athletic Bowl at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida, and this resulted in a 49-38 to Baylor victory over the University of North Carolina. This was a phenomenal game right here, one which Art Bryles, he was the head coach at the time, really revamped the entire offense at halftime and, um, and, and had an incredible game plan coming into the game, but made some adjustments at halftime, dominated the second half, 
Baylor ran Phil for 645 yards in this game. Johnny Jefferson ran for 299, Devin Chapin a buck 56, Terrence Williams 97. We had five guys over 30 yards, but we had three over 100. And so it was unbelievable. We were running the ball just at will. And um, we attempted 18 passes in the game, which for Baylor is not very many at all. And six of those were by non-quarterbacks. And so it truly was an amazing game. I went with my uh, dear, dear friend, Mr. Colin Plotz, um, and then with another friend, Chase Womack. Also went to Disney World on that trip. It was my first experience at Disney World as a 20, I don't know, uh, college student, 20-something, who knows, and had an incredible just overall trip. So I would say Baylor UNC was a great victory, really fun, was kind of sitting in the parents' section there at that game. But just to see the players bounce back after losing both Jarrett Stidham and Seth Russell in the same season to be able to finish 10 and three and win that bowl game, huge for the program. Absolutely, Jake. A couple things on the opposing side of the ball for that North Carolina team. That North Carolina team, uh, might I add, Marquise Williams is the quarterback at the time. They play Clemson in the ACC championship that year, and they really could have made it to the first ever college football playoff. Oh, similar to Baylor, they got an onside kick down, I think, 14, got the ball, score. They get another onside kick with the opportunity to tie, if not win the two-point conversion. The refs throw a flag, say it was, you know, offsides or, like, you know, illegal movement. They go on replay. And it turns out there was not even a missed call. It was two perfect onside kicks, but Clemson got the easy out and was able to come away with a victory on their way to the uh, college football playoff. But UNC, people forget they were number 10 in the country. I think we're number six before they played that game. We're right on the cusp there. So Baylor played a good UNC team, deflated probably at the time for their loss. But, I mean, a great victory by the Bears because that was a good UNC team. Phil, thanks for that context. I don't think that I remembered that. Probably at the time I did. But but here, you know, years later, I, I did not remember that context. And North Carolina going into that championship game then in the SEC probably just had one loss. So yeah. that was their second loss, and the Baylor was their third loss as I looked at the final um, win-loss column there for UNC and Baylor. Great trips down memory lane. We'll be back. That was, for me, listeners, that was my number seven. I'm going to bring number six next week. College football, week zero. We didn't have a ton of action, but there was some stuff going down in Ireland. Northwestern versus Nebraska. I tuned in for the first half, not the second half. Was keeping up on my phone a little bit. Phil, the Northwestern-Nebraska game had the entire, I would say, state of college football. Those that, that say they're a fan of college football, just in an uproar once again, what's going on in Lincoln? Like you said, Jake, uh, earlier in our uh, pregame meeting, it was the Lincoln letdown once again. Um, the people in Lincoln, Nebraska are definitely upset. I think most of America's upset. I would say that pretty much most college football fans were rooting for Nebraska. Everyone wants Nebraska to be good again, Jake. And with the performance that they had, it was really the onside kick for me. You're up 11 points. You have all the momentum. You get that onside, you, it grows exponentially. But I think the defense is good enough to hold Northwestern on a normal kickoff. 
get him three and out and get the ball back and make that an 18 point lead. You don't need the onside in that situation. And I think ultimately that's what ended up um, costing him the game down the run. It was a huge momentum shifter in that game. And Scott Frost trying to go out on a limb, trying to make a statement, you know, and it just it just backfired on him. And so I love Scott Frost. I love just what he brings to the program. But he could not be on a hotter seat right now in college football. I was very impressed with the quarterback play on both sides. Casey Thompson, great job. I, I really want Casey Thompson to succeed. Was in a horrible just pit fire in Austin at the University of Texas, transferred out, was hoping for success. And, and I hope he does have success. Um, looking at Northwestern, I think Ryan Holinsky played extremely well, was once a starter at the University of South Carolina, had some big games at South Carolina, won some big games as well, and made the transition to Northwestern. You know, that team, if they can, if they can defend, they don't bring many blitz packages. And so if Northwestern can get pressure with four, I think they can do some damage in the Big Ten West. Are they going to win it? I don't think so. But it's an even year. And we know that in an even year, 2022, historically, they've been very good in even years. So that's what we've got from week zero. Phil, let's go ahead and look ahead because there's a lot on the slate as we're looking ahead. Um, I want to start with you. You've got a can't-miss game for uh, week one. There's a lot of big games. What's your can't-miss game for week one? You've got one game to watch. Which one are you watching? Jake, once again, I say this with all due respect. Every time I've tried to bring this up, you just steamroll right over it. You can't forget about Vanderbilt Hawaii week zero, 63 to 10. The Commodores came into Honolulu and they told the Rainbow Warriors, heck no, we are not being embarrassed this year. They put out a 35 point third quarter and demolished the Rainbow Warriors. I just have to throw it in there. Vanderbilt is not playing around. They just announced a $300 million renovation to their athletic complex. They are trying to get back in it in the SEC East, and they started off hot against Hawaii. Phil, I'm trying to readjust my jaw here in Waco because it is in a very unique position after the statistics you just shared and the amount of capital and funding that they are putting into the athletic program. New head coach, he went on to say, we will win a national championship. I don't know if you heard that press I conference, yes. but was very adamant that they at Vanderbilt would win a national championship. Takes me back to 2003, the hiring of Scott Drew. Goes on, young coach, untested, says we will bring a national championship to Waco, Texas. Prophecy fulfilled, mm -hmm. 2021. So... Let's fast forward. Let, let's let's earmark this for 20 years down the road. Let's see what Vanderbilt can do. Obviously, it's going to be an uphill battle. But 63 to 10 in Hawaii, that's a big deal. Thanks for bringing that back to us, Phil. Thank you for coming back to that point and not, not continuing to allow me to steamroll and move us down the agenda. I cannot believe that I missed that game. Speaking of missing games, what's your can't-miss game? here for week one there's a huge slate of games yeah absolutely jake and i hope i'm not taking yours here but um you know you could go with some of the high rollers you go with some of the higher ranked games um there's even one happening in atlanta i'm sure you're aware of but my can't miss game and i think it's just the a couple different things 
you have Cincinnati going to Fayetteville to play number 19, Arkansas. Cincinnati's 23. You know, they're kind of lower on the list. You know, they've gotten the college ball playoff last year, had a not very great showing against the University of Alabama, couldn't get a touchdown on the board, but they're coming back in with a chip on their shoulder saying, hey, we think we can get back there again. And Arkansas is saying we think we can get there for the first time this year and compete in the SEC West as they did a great job competing there last year. And they're not holding back at all. They return a lot of starters. They bring some seniors onto the onto the forefront of that roster. And I think Arkansas and KJ Jefferson are going to have a big day in Fayetteville. But Cincinnati is not going to hold back either. I'm looking at that game saying you can't miss that. The people in Fayetteville are going to be on their feet, Jake. Phil, that is a phenomenal pick. That is a that is a, a great game, 19 versus 23. It's in Fayetteville. It's going to be great, electric atmosphere. And K.J. Jefferson, I think, watching him last year, he was a big play quarterback. He made some big throws down the field, uh, you know, struggled with some pocket protection later down the later on in the year. But, again, Cincinnati has a lot to prove coming into that game. Were they a one-hit wonder or are they here to stay? And Arkansas trying to play amongst the big boys in the SEC West. This will be a telling game for them. Phil, there's a lot of games I could have gone with. I really wanted to go with Colorado TCU, that Pac-12, Big 12 matchup. I'm curious to see who the quarterback, starting quarterback for TCU is going to be. TCU with a lot of question marks. Um, Bear on ESPN last week picked TCU to win the Big 12. Absolute ludicrous in my opinion. So I'm going to actually take us to the Pac-12 SEC. This is a game that I think has a lot of um, uh, just a lot at stake. And I'm going to go Utah at Florida. I don't know if that's the game that you thought I was going with, but I'm going Utah at Florida. We've talked about the Utah Utes. This is a team, Phil, that you think is going to end up in the college football playoff at the end of the year. And it starts with the trip to Florida. New system, new programming. There's a lot going on. In Florida, it's at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, and so that's going to be a tough place to play for a Utah team coming in with big expectations. Can Rising and company in Utah bring the offense in, be able to run the football in a hostile environment? It's going to come down to that, and that's a 6 p.m. kickoff on ESPN. Um, going to be tuning in for that one as well. That 6 p.m. nightcap is just going to be tough. It's going to be – there's too many games to choose from on that nightcap. Yeah, absolutely, Jake. You know, once you get uh, into the into the nightcap there, you got 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern time. You really start to roll. But you're right. On a Friday night, you're thinking, oh, we're just watching a Pac-12 after dark. No, TCU going to Boulder, like you said, to play the buffs in a Pac-12, Big 12 after dark setting. That's a 10 p.m. Eastern kick for me, Jake. I can't wait to see what that game is like up in Boulder. The people are going to be fired up to cheer on the Buffs and the Horn Frogs. Yeah, Colorado's a team. You never know what you're going to get. feel like the Pac-12 is completely up for grabs, so we'll see how that one plays out. Phil, we're going to take a quick two- to three-minute run here through what we believe are the best games of the week. Now, this is not necessarily our favorite teams. Obviously, we're not going to put the Baylor-Albany game into this pick on today. I think Baylor's going to cover the spread in that one. I'm picturing, you know, probably a, a 63 to, to 17 win over Albany in that game. But but we're going to take 10 games this week, and we're going to keep track of these throughout the year. We're going to go head-to-head, and we're going to see at the end of the year as we enter into week 13, 14, which one of us 
ends up with the uh, the the best record, if you will. So we're going to get started. I'm going to roll this game out. This is a, a kickoff tonight. I'm not even sure if the podcast will be uploaded by tonight. We'll see how fast we get it turned around. But tonight we've got West Virginia against Pittsburgh. Interesting storyline here. Two ex-USC starting quarterbacks going at it head-to-head. Keaton Slovis and your guy, Georgia transfer, now West Virginia um, uh, transfer, JT Daniels. West Virginia, Pitt. Phil, who do you have in this game? Jake, you know my bias as it goes here for the dogs, so I can't pick against JT Daniels. I like them going to Pittsburgh. I like Daniels. Seems like he's fully healthy for the first time. You saw last year in that first game against Clemson for the dogs when Daniels started, neither team had a single offensive touchdown. So I think Daniels has finally got the jitters out. Not to say that West Virginia is a lesser team than Georgia. I want to give my respects there to West Virginia and the Mountaineers. But I think you just walk in to a Pittsburgh team that just lost a great quarterback. Slovis is awesome. Pickett was the man. We know that. But I think Daniels walks in with a brand-new offense, likes the coaching, is able to do what he wants to do, is clearly the starter. And I think Daniels and West Virginia get it done in Pittsburgh uh, tonight, Thursday night. Phil, I love that. We're going to be tuning in. You know, this is a big game. A lot of commentators are saying this is the game of the week on a Thursday night. Um, you know, maybe not as many viewers as that Central Michigan-Oklahoma State game, but, you know, but 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 in all reality, uh, West Virginia on the road at number 17, Pittsburgh. You're right. New quarterback, Keaton Slovis. He was an absolute star at USC, in my opinion. They return all five starters on the offensive line, and wow. that is something that I think is going to be the difference maker for this game, experience at the offensive line. I think JT Daniels is going to put up big numbers. I think he'll go for 350-plus, maybe four touchdowns. But I think Keaton Slovis and the consistency of the offensive line is what will bring Pitt out on top of this one. Phil, I'm taking Pitt. Wow, I love that take, Jake. Next up, we're going to go all the way down, close to you to San Antonio, Texas, to the Alamo Dome, where UTSA is hosting number 24, Houston Jake. You know I'm a Roadrunners guy through and through. I actually initially went back and forth uh, for a long time in my head of who I'm going to take, but as the great Quavo, the rapper, says in Atlanta, uh, they say, Quavo, you a Roadrunner, and I can't go away from the road runners here they're stuck in my brain they had an amazing year last year jake correct me if i'm wrong conference usa champions that's correct that's right so i i, I think houston comes in you got a battle of two of the biggest cities in texas between houston and san antonio i think the road runners take it away in an upset win at home phil i love that call and to keep it brief and to keep us moving i'm also taking the road runners houston's on the road they're a top 25 team but i picked utsa in my college pick them and i'm taking them here live on ready set game i think that they also are going to be able to run the football and i think they're going to be able to get stops on third down get that houston offense off the field i'm going road runners here we go let's keep it moving this is your game of the week cincinnati versus arkansas in fayetteville who you got in this one? Man, Jake, you saw that stadium earlier in the year uh, against Texas. Those people in Arkansas were fired up to play Texas early in the year. They're going to be the same way with Cincinnati. They have a lot to prove, and they're going to prove it. I'm taking the Hawks. Phil's taking Arkansas in this one. And, Phil, I'm going to I'm going to jump on the Woo Pig train as well. 
because I think they are going to come in with great energy. The offense is going to explode. Defense is going to turn Cincinnati over. And what I'm seeing in this one, I'm taking Arkansas by two touchdowns in this game. It's not even going to be close in the fourth quarter. Jake's taking Arkansas. That's right, Jake. And we go to your game of the week, Utah at Florida, number seven Utah, taking on unranked Florida. The Swamp, I know, is going to be busting that weekend. But I do think that the Utes are going to be able to overcome uh, the crowd at the Swamp. Uh, I got Utah winning uh, in a close game against Florida. Bill, I like that pick. I like Florida in this game, but I don't like them as much as I like Utah. Utah comes in, huge chip on their shoulder. You know, we 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 really battle this a lot. We we think if they they, they were a few plays away from being in the college football playoff last year, and they were a play away from beating Ohio State, who comes in as the number two team in the country. Christian Rising brings a big arm. He brings in a loaded offense once again. Utah has a lot of experience, and they're going to go into Florida. It's going to be a close game, but they're going to pull it out. I'm taking Utah on this one. That's great, Jake. We're moving on here to Norman, Oklahoma, where UTEP is taking on number nine OU. I mean, Jake, this is a game that a lot of people have on their radar. They've been watching OU for a long time. A brand new, a brand new look Oklahoma team. You're really not sure what quite to expect. You know, they have the talent, Brent Venables, he's going to have his first game. UTEP coming in already 0-1, have already taken that first loss of the year, unfortunately. But I do believe Oklahoma uh, is a 30-point-5 a 30 favorite. Uh, spread is 30-and-a-half, and, a half, and uh, I'm going to take Oklahoma in a blowout in Norman. Phil, you know, we always have to include one of these games on here just in case one of us is maybe thinking upset. I don't think either of us is thinking it this week. Brent Venables, new offense um, uh, with Jeff Levy coming in from Ole Miss. They're going to score a lot of points. I would not be shocked if they put up 60-plus in this one, holding UTEP to less than 10. They're going to cover the spread, plus about 20. I'm taking OU in this one. Let's go up to the land of the Beavers, Boise State, visiting Oregon State. I'll move quickly in this game, Phil. I'm going to take Oregon State in this game at home. I like what they're going to do there. I think it's going to be a big game for them. Uh, you know, Boise State comes in predominantly uh, historically better football program. I think Oregon State has something to prove this year, and I think that they're going to get it done there at home. That's right, Jake. I also have picked the Beavs. I went back and forth in my head for a little bit. We're going to have to break break down uh, – us trying to have some discrepancy and have some disagreement on some of these games at some point. But I love the Pac-12 Mountain West after dark matchup. I can't take away uh, from what Oregon State can do at home uh, in uh, Corvallis, I believe. Corvallis. Corvallis. Yep, yeah, absolutely. It's Corvallis. Uh, at at uh, Research Stadium. So, anywho, I'm going to take Oregon State over Boise State uh, in another close game. I like that, Phil. We're going Memphis versus Mississippi State. This game right here has the potential. It's an unranked matchup, no rank versus no rank. But these are two programs that, that, are, that are pretty good. Mississippi State just plays in a tough half of the conference for sure in the SEC. Phil, who are you taking in this Memphis-Mississippi State game? Jake, uh, I feel like you and I may have a similar take here. I got to go Mississippi State. When you get into Starkville, Mississippi, you know those cowbells are ringing. Tickets are starting as low as $14 still. 
uh, on StubHub, they say. So people are still trying to fill the stands. So you're going to see people from Memphis, Tennessee, trickle down in to Starkville to watch that game because tickets are still pretty cheap. Uh, and the Tigers and the Bulldogs are going to have a very tough matchup. As I don't know how many touchdowns will be scored, but I know that it's going to be a close game defensively. Phil, that's great. Great take on that. I'm taking Memphis in this one. I'm going to go with the Memphis Tigers. They're on the road. You know, the line is betting against them, but I'm going to take Memphis. Mississippi State's going to have a tough start to the year, and again, it's going to start in week one with a loss to Memphis. Going to college game day next, number five, Notre Dame versus number two, Ohio State. Ohio State comes back loaded on offense, absolutely loaded. C.J. Stroud, the best receiving core in America, not the tight end group they have in Georgia, no doubt, but the best receiving core in America, Notre Dame on the road in the horseshoe. Phil, in this one, I'm taking Ohio State in this game right here. I, I can't bet against Ohio State in this one, can't pick against them. I think Notre Dame's going to come in and play inspired. I think they're going to hang around for a quarter and a half, maybe until halftime. But I think C.J. Stroud, I would be shocked if he goes for any less than 350 and five touchdowns. I think he's going to have a massive game to kick off the season. Jackson Smith and Jigba, they're going to get him involved in a lot of different places. So I'm taking Ohio State. Jake, I know that pains you to pick Ohio State, um, but I also agree. When you're at the horseshoe, they're not going to have an Oregon situation from last year. Uh, it's going to be all Buckeyes, I think, in that game. Speaking of the Ducks, though, they're coming down to Atlanta playing my Georgia Bulldogs. Jake, I don't think it's going to be close. I think dogs are going to win by about 17, 18. That's a spread here in Atlanta. Uh, and I think Bo Nix never have beaten Georgia in his career at Auburn. Uh, he's not going to have a chance when he comes to Atlanta at a 3.30 kick uh, p.m. Uh, Eastern time. Phil, I'm with you on this one. Oregon's going to come in. You know, there's a lot of hype. Dan Laney coming in. Interesting storyline. I think he's going to be able to maybe try and exploit some weaknesses. He's going to know on paper what to do, but I don't think they're going to have the physical prowess to actually pull it off coming from Eugene down into uh, the state of Georgia. Um, Georgia's going to win this one in a, uh, I think, in very convincing fashion. Last game of the week, we've got BYU versus South Florida. Interesting storyline here. Gary Bohannon, the starting quarterback, the QB1 at South Florida, had to put this game on here. Not much of America is picking South Florida. It's hard for me to root against my guy, Gary Bohannon. Dominant last year against BYU, had a huge game. I actually went back and watched the game film this past week from that game just to get a quick take. But I'm going to take BYU in this one in South Florida. I think they're going to win uh, by a touchdown, and I think it's going to be a really good contest. Jake, I think your guy Jerry does it again. I'm going the Bulls, South Florida. I'm taking them over BYU. And last but not least, Jake, my upset pick of the week, I will be attending this game with my family. I'm taking Mercer over Auburn at Jordan-Hare Stadium. I don't think Auburn has the talent to compete with the Bears. The Bears are coming already in 1-0. I'm going Mercer, my parents' alma mater, over the Auburn Tigers. Phil, I love that take. Brian Harson. if they lose that game, I think he's out. That's a great take. We are just about out of time here on the Ready, Said Game podcast. We'll be back next week to break down this week's games. Phil, it's been a pleasure. This has been Ready, 